Hello, Romaniacs listeners. Uh, back by popular demand, we have an emergency uh, recording for you uh, in light of the Brecon by-election that happened uh, the day before we recorded and the results came in overnight. Um, I think we've had at least one person tweet us and ask us to pull together an emergency podcast and frankly, that's all we need. So here we are. Uh, I'm Naomi Smith. I'm the CEO of Best for Britain, the Stop Brexit campaign group, and I am joined today by Alexandra here in her personal capacity. Not, not really. <laughs> Let's face it. Uh, private life, yeah, professional no, life, all merges into one now. How are you, Alex? I'm all right. Hot. Yeah. 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 We're back in the old studio, listeners. Yes, we are. We're, we're back in the seventh circle of hell just for just for today, just to keep you abreast. And also with us is, full disclosure, another Best of Britain employee, uh, Rob Blackie. Rob, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm a digital strategist. I've worked on political and corporate marketing campaigns for the last 20 years, everything from Lib Dems to the UN Climate Change Convention to chocolate bars and lager. Wowzers. But also you are on the Greater London Authority list for the Lib Dems. That's right. It's standing for the London elections next year. Fantastic. And um, Rob is able to give us the view from the ground because he actually did go up to Brecon to campaign. Um, So let's kick off. Um, I'm going to just give a big shout out before we start to everybody that helped make the Remain Alliance in Brecon happen. Um, Best for Britain launched a petition just after the European elections um, that has now been signed by over 100,000 people, uh, which calls on the leaders of the Remain parties to do what they failed to do before the European elections, and that was to get together and stand down for one another and all get behind one Remain Alliance candidate. Which are the Remain parties? Well, Do we, they include Labour? We, we did. We have included them to be called upon. Okay. Um, so they didn't participate this time, but we're not taking our foot off the gas of keeping that pressure Very up. Good. And lots of the Labour MPs are really um, on board with it and, and understand the need for it. And we've even had people like Owen Jones, of course, over the last week completely change their tune uh, and say that, yes, Labour does need to, to get involved with Hallelujah. this. Hallelujah. Anyway, thank goodness um, that the amazing leadership of people like Adam Price um, in Plaid Cymru and, of course, Jonathan and Sean in the Greens uh, did stand aside for the Lib Dems because if they hadn't, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Rob, that that uh, the Conservatives probably would have held the seat. I think it was a very close margin, so the few thousand votes applied would have got. Yeah, I think would have probably been enough. Right. Okay. Uh, so the Lib Dem majority was uh, just shy of one and a half thousand, one thousand four hundred and twenty-five Lib Dem majority, and applied in. Uh, 2017 got nearly 1,300 votes. Um, and in 2015, because the Greens didn't stand in 2017, um, the, the Plaid and Green would have totaled over 3,000. So I think more than, uh, well, obviously more Possibly. than the Lib Dem I mean, majority. You can't, you can't yeah, tell. It's a hypothetical. Tell. So because you... it's possible that this this uniting of Remain parties also mm. galvanised the vote on the Conservative side. Mm. It's possible that had the Remain parties not united there would have been more of the Tory vote fracturing to the Brexit party, for instance. Yeah. Um, so, but certainly it was an amazing effort and it basically just galvanised everyone and they won the seat from being 8,000 votes behind. Indeed. Rob, did it feel, when you were there, you were, you were actually canvassing, you were speaking to voters, did it feel like it was going to be a better result for the Remain Alliance? Or uh, No, and I think because... Because voting in Britain has now become so fixed around remain and leave, I think a lot of people who still support leave wanted to know who the best leave party to vote for was. 
Um, and probably a few weeks ago, they thought it might be the Brexit party, it might be the Conservatives. And probably in the last couple of weeks, they decided, or they mainly decided it was Conservatives. Um, and similarly, on the Remain side, most people who had made their mind up were willing to vote Lib Dem. So strangely, normally in a by-election like this, you find loads of people who haven't made up their minds a week before the election. And when I was there, actually, most people had made up their minds. There weren't many persuadable people left. So it was very unusual that way. But That's I think that reflects the country. So is 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 it now, I mean, we often on this podcast talk about how polarised the electorate now is. Why do you think it was that Leave votes hardened behind the Conservative candidate, who was, of course, a convicted fraudster rather than the Brexit Party candidate? I think there were a couple of reasons. The first one of which was the Conservatives were clearly doing a much more effective campaign. So the whole constituency was full of uh, posters for the Conservatives. Now, mainly in farmers' fields, so one farmers' field might mean 100 posters. Uh, but still, if you're driving, that's, that's a lot of impact. And so it was obvious they were doing a stronger campaign and more likely to survive uh, that. Uh, and secondly, I think the media and indeed the one poll which was published both showed uh, that the Conservatives were doing best out of those two. So I think some of that message probably got back to people that if they were, really wanted to stop the Lib Dems, they had to vote Conservative. And um, do either of you have a view on why the Brexit Party didn't fight it harder? I mean, I guess we'll see when the election spending returns come out how much they actually threw at the seat. It seemed to observers that it was just a Brexit party bus driving around and then crashing into a hedge. And, and from everything we saw, I think that, that's exactly what it was. Um, I think they are they're very well set up for PR campaigns like European elections, where Nigel Farage goes on TV, they do some digital advertising across the whole country, they send a leaflet to everyone in the country, uh, but they don't actually have people on the ground ready to knock on doors. They probably don't have a database of voters yet. If they do, they probably don't have much data in it because UKIP will have all their old data. Uh, so it's actually quite hard for them to do that well. But they really did show very little sign of, of doing the base, even the basics right. Alex, what, what about Labour? I mean, they almost didn't hold their deposit. Will um, they take anything from this? Well, they don't seem to have taken anything, anything from this. <laughs> Whether they should or shouldn't is a completely different question. Yes, of course they should take something from this. The, but I'm not sure it's helpful to them, if I'm honest, because I think it's now too late. I don't think they can authentically now support Remain. I think the, the unless there is a change of management, as it were, at the top, I think there will always be a question mark. Have we dragged them unwillingly to a sort of position of supporting Remain that then some spokesperson will anonymously recant from. Um, and that's a really difficult space to be in. Basically, they left it too late, I think. And, and funny enough, maybe a year and a half back, if you asked Labour's Remain-leaning voters, what does Jeremy Corbyn think on, on Brexit? He would, uh, they would say, oh, yeah, he's very pro-Remain. If you ask their Leave-leaning voters, what does he think? They'd go, oh, he's very pro-Leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point, he managed to actually satisfy both lots. But and eventually, reality yeah. got through. And now he has the worst of all worlds, where everyone hears the worst of, of what they might expect. You can please some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time. You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. that that is the danger with constructive ambiguity. Yeah. It has a it has an expiry date, basically. And it's and much easier with two parties. Over, you're screwed, mm. because then... The general impression is that you stand for nothing. Mm. 
when we look at the the data from last night, um, broadly the 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 regressive alliance, if we can call that, um, uh, the combination of the Brexit Party and the Conservative Party vote share came in at nearly fifty percent. Are we leaving the pink lady out of this entirely? <laughs> <laughs> Are we leaving the the loonies pink lady? No, I'm serious. Somebody did a very good tweet. Five hundred Lo- votes. Lots of people were saying, "Oh, you know, UKIP came behind the monster raving loony party," and somebody else did. Yeah, the monster. Ra- the monster racist loony party came behind the monster <laughs> raving loony party. Um, but yes, it, 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 broadly about 50%. Um, whereas, of course, the Remain Alliance candidate, Jane Dodds, for the Lib Dems got 43.5%. So the the vote share in combination for the regressives, the, the, the pro-Bexit parties, was bigger. Um, but where do you put Labour? That, that, that's excluding that's the, Labour, yeah. 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 Um, so, Rob, where do you do you think that the Brexit Party will make the same mistake next time? I mean, Boris Johnson's majority has been reduced to one. That means there is one more pro-European MP going into the Commons when it when it sits again. Well, I think all the signs are they're more interested in building up their own party at the moment than they are for broader cause. And I think that probably means if they do the next by-election, they'll try and fight harder or more effectively than this time. So if, if they're smart, they'll learn from this and they'll probably get better. So find yourself, they'll probably damage Conservatives more in future. Mm. And, and Lib Dems tend to be quite good at by-election watch. Do you see any seats potentially bubbling up as being by-election seats if we don't have a general election first? Well, the obvious one is we've got uh, Sheffield Hallam, which is Nick Clegg's old seat, um, uh, coming up in the autumn because the incumbent Labour MP has said he's going to stand down. Yeah. So that's the sort of most obvious one. Uh, and then who knows what which other ones might come along, but there's mm. always a steady stream of, of which is a Lib Dem Labour marginal, isn't it? It's which a funny seat. It has it has been different shades of marginal. Same it's been a Conservative Lib Dem marginal. It's been a Labour. It's, a, it's a very wealthy seat. So it's a sort of seat where traditionally it was a Conservative seat had been mm. for decades until 1997. So yeah, I think all three of the parties could claim that they could win it at the moment. And the Conservatives made the odd choice in Brecon. Well. It seemed before the election an odd choice to stand the the disgraced candidate again, who had been convicted of fraud. In ordinary times, this would yeah. have been an absolute disaster for them. It turns out actually it wasn't. What are you taking from that, Rob? Uh, what, what I took from it is people care about Brexit more than anything else, and therefore they're willing to forgive almost anything if they get their version of Brexit. Mm. And maybe that if if it had been the other way around, maybe that would have been true there too. So I, uh, certainly I talked to a lot of people who are planning to vote Conservative who said things like well it wasn't much money or he's been punished now or even that they had signed the recall petition but now they were going to vote Conservative. So they'd thrown him out as Conservative <laughs> MP but now wanted him back and and I think that's inevitable and, and I think it's possible that some of the Brexit party vote was because there were people who were pro-leave but didn't like um, what he had done and wanted to show their disapproval. So it might have been hard for the Conservatives to push that down much more. And also, I think there are a lot of Brexiters, um, obviously on the more extreme side, who have a similar um, lack of confidence in the Conservative Party mm. after the last three years, who mm. think they say whatever they need to say, and they're not actually in their heart of hearts true leavers. Mm. But the the thing... Um, the thing that for me has not been said enough in the coverage that I've seen is that this was a leave seat. And I think that's a really key thing. So to say, you know, it was a Lib Dem Tory marginal and the Lib Dems went with the Remain Alliance and ended up 
sort of mm. uh, winning by by a, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but it was a leave seat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, so, according to the Best for Britain um, MRP research that I've talked about on the show quite a bit, um, where we, we do something called Brexit shift, which I have to say very carefully. Um, we, we look at which seats have uh, switched away from leave to be majority remain, and Brecon is one of those. So in 2016... Brecon was only 48.3% remain and by about this time last year it had shifted to 52.6% remain and uh, and when we polled that constituency and, and MRP'd it a couple of months ago um, 63% of voters there want another referendum, they want a final say yeah. so um, you're right because actually Lib Dem voters didn't necessarily vote remain back in 2016 yeah. particularly in areas of the country where the Liberals had done well because yeah. of a non-conformist attitude of being the natural opposition to conservatism there particularly in areas where where Labour hadn't unionised. So, um, so if there is a takeaway I guess with a massive caveat obviously extrapolating from a byline to something from a by-election to something wider for me it would be that take especially taking the european parliamentary elections and this by election and looking at the pattern to me the lesson is that if remain unite they can win seats yes. even in leave areas yeah. especially Absolutely. when leave is fragmented yeah Let's get back to Labour. You're, you're quite right, because that, that Labour is so crucial in this. Rob, this was Labour's ninth um, lost by-election in a row. We're now nine years into Conservative-led administrations. I mean, this is surely poor by any measure. And do you think that this is going to focus some of their attention on potentially, yes, we do have to join in this Remain Alliance or else they're going to squeeze us away to nothing? Uh, it may do. I, I, I suspect they, they didn't make a huge effort, though they did have uh, a candidate who was local, um, who actually lived in Brecon, one of the main towns, was a councillor there, um, and there are some of the towns where Labour traditionally have strength. So they should have been able to do okay, uh, but I think the reason, they had no particular reason for anyone to vote for them. Uh, so I think it, it should push them back to look at the, the data. I think the problem they have is they're not looking at the data at the moment. And most of the uh, decision makers in Labour seem not to understand that even Labour MPs in leave seats, almost all their votes come from people who voted Remain. Yeah. Right. Or from people who didn't vote in 2016, but would vote today and would vote Remain today. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, we've been saying that mm, mm. for such a long time when they, they look at it by cons constituency, by constituency and people like Caroline Flint, mm. Um, who was on our rivals Brexit cast last week, and there I, are no rivals. I listened with interest because she seemed to me to have landed on a position on Brexit both before the referendum and now, almost by accident rather than by a process of thought. She basically wants Brexit done because it's politically icky. Yeah. Um, you know. Brexit is really difficult for us, so can we get it over and done with? Um, I heard a, a conservative on um, Radio 4 this morning saying, let's just cut this Gordian knot and, and move you know, forward. But the, the, the thing is that this isn't a Gordian knot. This is a knot that's really easy to untie, 
And these are the people working to make it tighter and tighter mm-hmm. and more elaborate instead of untying it. Mm. So we're not in a position where we just need to get on with it. No. And it just seems to me really strange to go constituency by constituency and say most Labour MPs come from constituencies which voted leave when most of their voters voted remain. And, and even if, in every constituency. And even if you ignored that... No deal it will be incredibly damaging to their constituencies. People will lose their jobs. Oh, hugely damaging. And, and they will it, be blamed for it, will it be as complicit. And, and, the op- and, and so while the opposition flails and doesn't get its act together, of course, the Conservatives are busy spending huge amounts of money uh, on advertising campaigns. It does seem that they're gearing up for an election. We've had the Brexit Party today announce its first 50 PPCs, so I think they're recognising their lack of infrastructure that Rob talked about earlier and trying to, to guess ahead. And Is that, do you think, to put pressure on the Conservatives? P- potentially, yeah. but there was a, a, a little bit of intel um, that, that we had in the Vesper Written Office before I came to the studio to record was that Tory HQ might be gaming out calling an election on the 4th of September, uh, calling it on the 4th of September for the 17th of October. If that's oh, true, wow. um, of course, that will happen before the party conferences yeah, and before yeah. Labour has had a chance uh, to solidify what its its manifesto pledge would be on Brexit. It won't solidify anyway, even if it goes to conference. There will be some caveat in there. There will be some language in there that will be able to be construed both ways because a, a lot of its MPs feel very strongly that it shouldn't go fully behind Remain. I, I, wouldn't really I wouldn't say a lot. I wouldn't say a lot. You know, you know fifty, sixty wrote to Corbyn only two weeks ago, telling, "Don't do it." So one would imagine that they are strongly against it. But I, I think many of those fifty to sixty, when faced with the opportunity of Boris Johnson getting a landslide, and Rob knows that yeah. our, our data at Better Britain shows that if the Remain Alliance doesn't hold together and, and be effective in a general election, you're looking at you know, a, a very large majority for uh, Johnson if Farage does, you know, what he sure. claims he's going to do and stand down for them. Uh, and uh, I think people like Stephen Kinnock are not, when push comes to shove, going to hold firm on their oh, you know, Brexit agree. position uh, in order to facilitate I mean, that. It would be interesting to see where people like Lisa Nandy land, because she said several times in the past that make, you know, I would vote for a deal, but make no mistake, if it comes down to no deal or revoke, I would vote to revoke. So if an election becomes a sort of proxy for no deal, then what's what's going to be the position of people like Lisa Nandy, who said, faced with a no deal, I would vote to revoke? So what what would that translate into? Well, I think in terms of a general election, um, they are they are looking at not just Brexit, but right? if 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 Johnson and the incredibly right wing cabinet and staff that he's got get very serious control of the Commons, mm. it's not just Brexit. They're going to sell off the NHS. They're going to dismantle the welfare state, workers' rights, roll back on decarbonisation, all the sorts of things that Lisa Nandy will be desperately concerned about. And I would hope that when push came to shove and they did have to do a a very quick uh, decision on what their Brexit manifesto pledge is going to be, that that the MPs would do the right thing and and put the pressure on the leadership for that. But I think one of the risks is the timetable is so short, it's very, very easy for somebody to make a mistake 
and for you know, no deal to happen by accident or for a party to you know get its policy wrong because they haven't had enough time to to think about it or somebody's late for a meeting so something goes through by one vote the wrong way yeah so if you're listening listeners which obviously you are by definition uh, make sure you're <laughs> signed up to best for written that's a written dog slash join and then we will email you with things that you can do to put pressure on all of those decision makers at, at crunch times and make sure that they're just getting absolutely inundated um, to give you a little bit of context on that where I think we've had something like over 75,000 emails go to the leaders of the pro-remain parties including Jeremy Corbyn calling on them to work together so um, do that and, and, and we all it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that they are getting their act together no rest over august they need to be planning all of this out um i think that's probably about all we've got time for on today's um emergency podcast thank you all very 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 much for listening um i should probably do the formal bit at the end which is uh, a thanks to both of our guests alex andre and rob blackie thank, thank you very much me. do come back on rob we'd love <laughs> to have you back on uh, on a proper show when somebody who's a professional anchor can actually uh, guide us through uh the, the thoughts of the week on brexit um, and just to say that Romaniacs is a Podmasters production. Um, this week it was with me, Naomi Smith and Alexandreou. It is produced by Andrew Harrison and studio production is by Elsie Bath.